All right, what's up, guys? We got Sherrod snacking. He's been he's been chilling since end of the first quarter. This was to go yeah. back in the uh, media room game. You don't come out at, yes. at, after the halftime snack. This is hanging with Gleason and Messina sort of game, right? You know, yeah. You, just, you, you go, you oh go, gosh. you joke around with the camera guys because th this one is over. Uh, we'll bring in Joe Sway as well, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, crap. You know, this. Uh, there's a ton to talk about outside of the game because stuff is kind of heating up. So there's stuff in the ether now. Well, What's funny is Sacramento comes to town and it's one of these like, ooh, which guys on this team do you want? And the answer is none of them. None of them. None. none. <laughs> I want none. Yeah, they Sacramento made that apparent. Kings. Okay. I, was, I, was, I was joking with Bobby. That, that was a bad right. audition. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was saying to Jimmy that, you know, before we came on about how, you know, maybe they really like it in Sacramento and they figure, you know, if we play like crap, no one's going to want us. So we can stay here. We don't have to move. We don't have to get, have, get used to a different team. We're good in Sacramento. They want to stay warm, Sherrod. They stepped right? off. They they, exactly, I was going to say. They stepped off the plane. And they're like, nope, we ain't playing tonight. No, no. we're not this getting was... traded to Boston, man. If this is going to be three quarters of the year, hell no. They you know, did not. They did not rally around Tristan. They did not rally around Tristan Thompson. Yeah, it was Tristan hey, Thompson leading it. Like, hey, listen, I'll guys, you know what this is, right? You know this is. I was issue. waiting for the tribute video. The tri I I don't remember seeing the tribute. <laughs> I was gonna video. ask you if he, if you got any minutes tonight. Maybe the video makes it. To but you know what? They they called two timeouts in the first quarter like that, so maybe that just kind of blew any shot that that Tristan uh, would get any love on a big big screen. You know, he wasn't. He's not no playing love for them anyway. Stop it! He wasn't getting no love. He's already had it. Well, don't get me started. That that that's, that that was just too easy, Josue. Too he's got easy. me. He's got plenty of love. <laughs> see, Jimmy. See, Jimmy. I showed restraint, but obviously, <laughs> Jimmy the kid could not. No, I had to let that one go. Sorry, Chloe. That was cheap. The Celtics could have had a little fun with that, though. And I see so what you're what, saying, so, so Tatum, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good encore. Very good encore. Tatum and Brown set the tone tonight. I mean, they almost outscored the whole damn Kings on their own. I know. You think about that. But um, it was the first, this first half, I mean, what was it 30 points they held the Kings to in the first half? I mean, jumped out to a big lead, got comfortable, and two favorite words in the NBA, shots fell. I mean, really, shots fell, and they fell all night long tonight. It's again, is, look. It's good to be on this nit, side of the game for once. But put it in perspective, John. Again, Nit, no, just the nitpickers will say the 45 threes, a little more than you want. You want to see a team that's putting up no resistance. You want to just turn it, it into matter, layup. You want to turn it into layup drills. That's fine. It's still a lot, but who cares if they're going in? The whole point of Jason Tatum was who gives a crap if he's taking contested twos if he's hitting them? Who gives a crap if he's launching 12 threes a game if he hits 40%? That's kind of the point. The unstoppable Jason Tatum was draining these shots. This year's Jason Tatum hasn't been, so that's been the problem. Nobody gives a crap about shot selection if they're falling, right? Yeah, you know? but I think no. that's exactly what Emei was alluding to after after the uh, you know after the Wizards game. It's like, hey, just just a reminder, guys. He was still getting these looks. You know, they just weren't falling. But the 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 law of averages say this is what's supposed to happen next, right? After you miss twenty threes in a row, well, that's exactly I think. What was there saying. a bike? We're gonna wait for Bobby. And I don't there know. Was if the bike. Horford was on the bike tonight. I think Horford was on the bike, so this might be two games in a row without bike. That's 51 and 36, 87 points. He's averaging 43.5 points per game this year without the bike, guys, okay? So we wow. know. We <laughs> that know a real stat? 
I just That's made it awesome. up. Yeah. It's a great um, stat. So anyway, um, <laughs> there's no, I mean, I, I agree and I disagree a little bench. bit, Josue. Ball movement makes ball movement makes the shots better. It makes it so you're getting them in a better position to score when people are finding you in that position instead of late in the clock, um, you know, uh, you know, and, and 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 contested as some of the others have been when it's all up to you to find it. When you're getting it in your spots in your points, um, it's much much better uh, and much easier to hit the threes. And that's not just Tatum; that's everybody. Okay, mm -hmm. so not all threes are created equal. You know, early yeah. in the clock jack threes because you felt like shooting it and the ones late in the clock because you had to force it and you just caught the ball and you're like someone's got to shoot those are bad but when you're working the ball and getting legitimately open looks yeah there are nights when they don't fall but those are the shots you want to take so i i do think the last couple of nights you're getting a little bit more of it and then again it's a it's a confidence thing tatum gets in his bag you see that little swagger he's setting people up you know kind of rocking the baby you know getting ready to do his thing and you know it becomes contagious in, it really in the does past couple nights yeah yeah it, it becomes one of those things where you see all those shots going down and that rim looks bit, you know big as an ocean to you as well i mean josh richardson was six for nine jalen brown had it going on al horford made shots but and we'll we'll get into it at some point but we definitely need to talk about rob williams because i thought he low-key was like huge i mean you could just i mean the ball boys needed to have a towel ready to hit the court every time a guy went into the paint and they saw Rob because there's a little trickle on a lot of players when they saw Rob. They got extremely nervous, extremely nervous when they saw Rob in the paint. Um, I mean, he's such a – the more you watch him play, the, the, the harder I come up with guys that I would trade him for. I don't think that's a huge list of guys. There are definitely guys that you would move him for, but I don't think that list – is as big Again, as some people might think. No question. If you get Rob, if you put, if you pair Rob, if the whole point behind Rob was, if he continues his ascent, he's either insanely valuable to you because you paid him, as it turns out, well below market, or he's the guy who's the centerpiece ad that you're going to pair with a bunch of picks and trade up into stardom, you know, into that. He wasn't that guy last year. I still don't think he's that guy this year, but he's getting there, you know, like he's getting to that point where like, that's an attractive piece for some teams. People might want a guy like that or great. Geez, you've got that and you're paying him well below market. That that was always the point. That's kind of the point behind the, the kids and the younger players in general, develop the talent, hope they turn into something either for you or for someone else, you know, and Rob yeah, right it, now, Rob's value is, is certainly exceeded, um, you know, one expectations and two, uh, his, uh, what he's getting paid. And he just signed this thing. Yeah. He's a different kind of player, but when I, when you talk about developing and, and having the potential to, to maybe move and get something really, really significant, he reminds me a lot of Al Jefferson, uh, a guy that really was showing signs of trending in the right direction of being a difference maker. But if you can get an already established high level difference maker and move him, you do it. But, it, but worst case scenario, if you're stuck with him, you're cool with that. You're absolutely cool with that. Cause he's, he's I mean, he's a hell of a player and he's getting better um, and he's staying healthier longer. Knock on wood. Yeah. I think that's the most important part, right? Like there's still, there's still a ceiling there, right? That I think he hasn't reached yet. And if you're mm -hmm. the Celtics, you're, you're excited about that because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to pay a whole lot more money if you didn't, if you didn't lock him in last uh, last offseason like you did, uh, you know, compared to what's coming up, compared to this upcoming summer. So, yeah, you know, I, I think to, to Sherrod's point, I think he still has plenty of growth. He's, he's still someone that I think is going to get better.
Well, we know what he's capable of. It's just a matter of keeping it all together, playing consistently, you know, being available more consistently, and just, you know, doing his thing. I mean, last season there were points where he was by far, we talked about it many times, the most athletic guy on the court, doing things that nobody else could do, jumping out of the building, blocking shots. And he, tonight he was doing some of those things too, grabbing up. I think he had an um, – I saw him one team, that, that nice putback. That nice putback. Only two. Rebound. <laughs> Yeah, only two blocks, but he have he he Bunch affected tonight. Yeah, so like, a ton of shots. Like Sharad yeah, said, yeah. they were they were scared to uh, they were scared to go up go up around him. So yeah. it's going to limit some of the blocks, but he's still affecting shots by just his presence down there. So um, super good to see. Um, we've talked about <clears throat> the fact that when you talk about tradable assets, that's it. <laughs> I mean, really, if you're not talking about Tatum and Brown, I'm talking about you know if you want to keep them. So whether or not you you think that he's a player you want to piece together with Tatum and Brown, you can bring somebody else. Or like Sherrod said, if some sort of Al Jefferson type package comes along, you at least have something to offer along with draft picks because everyone has draft picks. You need to have a player that can, you know, entice the other team to, you know, that's the difference maker, a player or two, a couple of young guys. So um, it was it was just great to see that performance tonight. I, I think he was a plus forty something. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but plus forty two in twenty seven minutes. That's insane. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And again, it's the Kings. Everyone loves to remind us it's the Kings. We know it's the Kings without Fox, and we know they're pathetic fran- franchise and team right now. But at the end of the day, the Celtics yeah. take care of business on their end. So, you know, they beat the crap out of them. Fifty plus point win. I mean, yeah. that's how you treat a team that way. You know, they didn't How much of this two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. we couldn't predict the Celtics doing anything like this to anybody. So I think Celtics fans should say they should understand why we're you know giving them you know, well, props right now for this. So I'll ask you this: Was the first quarter my ball, my turn, your turn, basketball, or was it working the ball into people's hands who were open, and it turned out just to be Jason and Jalen the whole time? How did you guys view that? I, I, mean, thought it was, I thought it was your turn, my turn. I thought it was a little bit of your turn, my turn. And then they went through a stretch where it was just like, okay, let's let's do this whole ball movement thing that they're talking right. about. And, and at that point, others started getting involved. But I thought early on they were just making shots. And it, that always makes me nervous when they build a lead strictly on just making shots and there's little ball movement involved. But we saw as the first quarter progressed – there was better ball movement. There was uh, guys passing up good shots for great ones. Uh, but early on, I thought the first, like, four or five minutes, I mean. They were both just, just making, hot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and it wasn't even like uh, – I didn't I, – it didn't even feel like it was selfish basketball. It was like literally you can't guard me. And yeah, I'm just it was easy. You, it yeah. was like, – yeah, I mean, it, it really didn't – and I, again, it reminded me of AAU basketball. When you get certain matchups against certain teams where, like, if you're a wing, but that other team's best player is a center, you're, you're going against someone who's not as good as you at your position. And you, what do you do? You bust them. You score at will. And it, it felt that Jalen and Jason had major mismatches where they could score. They literally could, yeah. you felt like they could score every possession yeah. if they wanted to. It's still it's thirty two assists at the at the end of the day, so the overall tally is good. And again, obviously great. made basket made baskets lead to assists, but um, it did feel like all overall just comparing energy. Um, if you know between looking at the Celtics and looking at the Kings, I mean the Kings looked like we've seen the Celtics look in stretches of times where you're like, Jesus, anybody up for this one? 
They were that way for four quarters. The Celtics were flying. It looked like they were playing at a completely different speed than the Kings tonight. So that type of energy is going to is going to produce good results no matter what. I mean, they were flying all over the place, and Sacramento looked like again, you know, they, they didn't want to be there. The question is, how much of this loss can we pin uh, on Kyle Draper? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm literally I'm literally texting him right now. Giving him stuff. Um, Dude, poor Drapes, man. This was his big homecoming. I'm sure he was, like, holding court before the game, probably uh, kissing babies, signing autographs, and then... You Boston guys. They were just putting his place... Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You you guys. (laughs) You guys. Yeah. Listen, Uh, he he reminded me... uh, we're, we're We're talking last night. He reminded me of the fact that the Kings have not lost to the Celtics since he went out that way. And all I'm thinking was, that's the kiss of death. Yeah. Um, go, I mean, I, I anticipated they would lose. I did not think that they would get their asses whipped like this. I just sent him a text asking him, let me know when the Kings show up for the game. Um, <laughs> so I'm, sh- I'm sure he'll have some so He's already on the bus back to the hotel or back to the airport, <laughs> wherever they're going. Like, man, yeah, he ain't sticking all- around. That that was bad. I mean, that that this was so bad. I I didn't expect Sacramento to win, but I thought they would put up a little bit more fight, other than just you know, from, other than the opening tip off. Basically, this was wrap. Yeah, this felt right. that there was more. And and again, the Celtics did a lot of great things. I mean, when you you start looking at the numbers, but it felt as though this was the perfect storm for a team that's looking to kind of flex a little bit, which they are. And a team that just did not give a damn. And this is what happens. Um, I mean, Sacramento pretty much called it a night when they were down like 17-4. They were just like, what time is that flooded? I mean, that's fine, though. Again, we joked about nobody here represented well for Sacramento. But if there's a fire sale, um, you know. I'm in. I want some. You know. Give me a I know. Well, that is, I mean, they, you know. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm just talking really bad about the Kings right now. Who's this? It's not Drapes, is it? No, it's not no. Drapes. Drapes is one out of this. Um, <laughs> you don't want to come, you don't want to come no, close to me. Well, the, yeah, King, the, um, you know what the Kings is they, they haven't had coaching. They have no leadership on that team. Um, and it's clear right now that they're just in a very, very bad place. So, you know, this I mean, is the type of loss, honestly, honestly, type of loss like this would make an owner want to make a trade. You know what I mean? I mean listen, if they want to move Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes was one for 12. And you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Bring him. I'd take him right now. Yep, absolutely. Without question. Yeah. Without question. Um, yeah, Halliburton, he didn't have a, a very good game, which was surprised. He was the one guy that surprised me because he's been playing really well. He was like two for nine, missed all of his threes. Nothing fell. Yeah, yeah at seven points. assists. But but still, I mean, he, he was really very non-impactful. And I know Drapes' guy, Buddy Hill, he made a few shots. It was like four for fourteen or something like that, but again, no impact, no 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 shots of significance from him either. The whole thing was really really hard to watch if you had anything invested in the Kings. And again, I, I hate doing this where like the Celtics play really well and blow a team out, and it's hard to talk about them. It's hard to talk about them, you know, because there's nothing super interesting. We'll take that Tatum's out of a slump two games in a row, friggin' great. Keep carrying it. Seeing yep. him and Jalen both perform well at the same time, that's another check-the-box sort of thing. Seeing Rob mm-hmm. have the impact he had. I don't want to get into the stuff you don't like, but, like, there's people in the chat already beating up on Horford. Um, you know, 
we're get, we joke about it all the time. I, I'll you know, do. He may said, was... it, be- he may said <laughs> it before the game that there's no there's no set lineups. Uh, nobody's guaranteed a spot, but it sure friggin' feels like Al Horford's guaranteed a spot in that starting lineup. I don't know what it's going to take to ever move off of that um, you, that double big thing. And again, it's hard to argue on a night where you come out and you friggin' you're up thirty three to seven on a team with your starting lineup. It worked, obviously, but there's yeah. still. Horford himself did not appear to be super impactful. Um, And again, we're just going to keep rolling that out there. I'm still a little confused as to why. I'm still confused as to why Romeo and Pritchard got absolutely buried, even in a game that was so out of hand in the first quarter that you're not even sneaking some minutes in for these guys. I'm still not getting that, but I I don't know. I don't know. I think think it comes down to trust. I think Ime has a select number of players that he trusts that can Mm -hmm. go out there compete and they may not play well but they're going to give the right kind of effort that he's looking for and they're going to in some way they they're going to make their presence felt in some way shape or form Uh, al had opportunities to do that i mean he just didn't make shot tatum had that great like behind the back pass and then i was like wide open top of key and bricked it i'm thinking like damn that was a sweet assist that that, that's one of jimmy's uh potential assists that just kind of went by the wayside there Mm -hmm. i know how you feel about those jimmy but um (laughs) I just think that I just think Ime has like seven, eight guys. I, but I just don't get it. Off of, Ro- so much. off of a really good Romeo game, with the exception of the final seven <laughs> minutes there against Portland, strange to put him on ice for two straight games. Um, but for some reason, Neesmith was tried today, uh, which again, I'm not really sure. <laughs> now it's like, all right, we're going to give him some run and give him some minutes, uh, which is fine. Well, you know, you do want to see that. And he got him. You know, or even uh, you know, prior to the, I, I just don't know what the strategy there is uh, with these guys, especially considering a report from our old friend Steve Bullpet earlier in the week uh, over at uh, Joe Sway's uh, publication, Heavy.com. Heavy, don't heavy, sleep. heavy, heavy, heavy. Uh, that the Celtics are going to be active in the trade market, um, and one of the reasons is because they want to clear room for the kids. Uh, and that this is a thing that Brad Stevens wants, which seems not a thing that Brad Stevens does or did when he, was, when he was coach. Brad, the coach didn't want it. And then Brad, the GM in his first month, didn't want it when he signed uh, when he traded for Richardson and signed Schroeder. But now Brad, the GM now in the middle of the season wants it. It seems a little odd to me. It seems this, very odd. Yeah, very odd. It, it, it seems uh <laughs> Odd only because it goes against everything he's done up to this point. And it everything. doesn't really and it doesn't make sense unless unless you're thinking is I need to play the kids, hopefully develop them, figure out which ones we can keep, which ones we need to discard, and get a relatively high draft pick, like a top ten pick, if we can bottom out. And because that's what you I mean, if you're gonna play the kids and not your your vets, that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna buy, you're gonna drop down a couple spots. But here's the problem with that they're still going to be too good to not bottom out altogether. They're still going to wind up in what I call the Romeo zone, where you're looking at picks 13, 14, 15, and you'll get a good player, but we've seen that we've seen that movie before, and it's not pretty. They don't really hit – they don't nail those picks. You know, they're not getting a Donovan Mitchell at, at that spot, the way, you know, Utah did, you know, a few years ago. They're not getting those difference makers who, for whatever reason, they slip in the draft. Um, so – all right, just want to remind everybody about our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy 
new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code CLNS50 to get started from football, basketball, Hockey, boxing, UFC, your Vegas favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Once again, that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So I don't buy it. I mean, all of the moves you you wanted to get rid of Kemba, but you absorbed Al, and you're playing Al heavy minutes. You trade you trade for Richardson. You didn't have to, but you did, and then you extended him. And then on top of that, you bring in Schroeder. So obviously, you didn't have faith, not which is fine because they haven't shown you a reason to have faith. But also, your organizational your organizational philosophy in the offseason was not to develop younger talent. It was right. just a round Tatum and Brown with veterans. So I, I now I are we have we reached a new point in the thinking, which is we've seen what it is. Forget it. That was a mistake. Is this yeah. an admission of like, well, we shouldn't have done that. Uh, we should have gone out. with the kids. Like, or, we were surprised here. It didn't work out. So why would he keep you doing that? Yeah. Well, I'm fine with that. You should absolutely admit mistakes. You're, you're you're far enough into it and say, yeah, you know, why did we do the Richardson thing? He's fine. He's helped us at spots. But are we getting are we getting closer to our goal by playing right. him heavy minutes, or would we? What's get your goal? To our goal? It didn't, it didn't work the, out. Right, Jimmy, that's out. my question too. What is the goal? At this point, I I would think it would be a top five team, which they're not anywhere near that. So. You scrap what was not working and you try to mix it up a bit. It's like what we've been talking about. And go you know, for to it. Answer your, to, to answer, uh, I'm just dubious. About, yeah. To answer what you're saying about Neesmith, I thought this was a perfect game for him to come in there. I mean, the offense is contagious. It's red hot. Show me what you got, young fella. Get in here. Join the party. You know, I thought it was a good opportunity for him. Poor you know? dude, too. He misses his yeah, first two. First- he missed yeah. the first two open it. threes. He like, come on. Neesmith. And he we makes that last. Me. Did you see him when he made the last one? He was like, he, thank he you. He did. He did the Tatum kind of thing. He was like, yeah, oh, got one, you know, because it's in his head like, now, like, too. Like he's Tatum. Like he's a 40% three-point shooter. No, but he's yeah. like, he, no, he, he was like kind of the, oh, you know, I oh, got right. one. And still got... hit a shot. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Against someone out. not in the SEC, yes. I mean, yeah. he played hard as hell. That, that's no, There's no question about it. He's frigging buzzing all over the place. You just want to see his first three there was nobody within seven feet of him. You know, it's just like, you just want to see those go down for his yeah. sake. Yeah. You know, it's, it's well, I mean, I like, I like that he brings it every time he's out there now. And that doesn't mean that he's always doing it in a conducive way, but he is <laughs> not a player that you're questioning like his efforts. Yeah. There you go. Tenacious knees. No, you're, 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 wow. you're questioning his effectiveness when he's out there because it, right. it, again, it, I, I'm just I, questioning I, his ability. Look, sure. I still, right. I still struggle with the concept that you were drafted oh, for a very oh, specific skill. Hey. And that's the one thing you literally don't do enough of. What's up, Bobby? What's going Speaking on? Speaking of questionable ability, what's Bobby. up, Bobby? Bobby Damn. Bobby. Hey, got the Bobby. Hey, about to go to the court, man. What up? All right. How are we doing? That was an entrance. Um, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> that's Bobby's way of saying F you guys. As usual. Well done. Timing is always impeccable. 
That was dope, though. I like it. What's up? That was, that was fun. Uh, it feels like this team finally had fun for the first time in a while. And it started yeah. in the Washington game. We talked about that, Josue and I, on the court there, just seeing how exuberant the bench was. We talked about here on the show, no bike watch, just Warford getting some pedals in. That's continued for a second straight game here. It, it just It's nice to see this group feel good about itself because I think a staleness had developed a just – stagnancy overall within the group and really no urgency at all. A lot of the things that were written in that athletic article for the last year and a half, I think have been true. And I can't even remember the last time that they had this much fun. When was the last Gino time? I mean, I can't, I'd have to like Tatum's firing t-shirts into the stands. (laughs) Yeah. And him and him and Jalen had a moment. It was almost KG esque, like laughing and just like throwing towels over each other. They had a joint. Oh, these guys hate each other moment. Is that what they had? Yeah, no, it, it, there was just a lot of fun going on the side oh, of the really? quarter. I hate to be Debbie moment. Downer, but if I'm whipping the team's ass for like 50 points, I'm going to be having a lot of fun too. I'm yeah, going to be enjoying we, the hell out of that. The difference with this group is that Dave and John looks like about they this. hate each other. Yeah, oh, these guys hate each other. That's funny. They're shooting t shirts in the stands. Well, listen, even when this group has won games and had great wins at times over the last couple of years, it doesn't look fun. It looks like a huge relief off their shoulders, hitting shots, you know, getting some amount of success just feels like a relief for this group. For it to finally feel productive and fun and just get everybody going and even get the young kids in the game for a quarter and all that kind of stuff. Like they needed this so bad and they have a chance here with a couple of days of practice ahead with some more rubbish defenses you know, scheduled over the weekend Atlanta and New Orleans. This could really be a, a get up run for this group. Now, where does it lead them? I don't know. I heard you guys talking about the path to the deadline. I still think this ultimately looks like a selective sell and just keep the core here and, figure out what you're going to do and from a long-term perspective in the summer. Squeeze in some minutes selectively for a Romeo or a Pritchard. But as you said, John, I, I'm just not buying that report that yeah. they're going to go 100% young here and they're going to dump all the veterans and they're just going to kind of give up what they're going for here. And you know what? I think that's a fair way to go. I, I don't see a ton of opportunity at this deadline the more I look at it. I love shoving buddies. Thanks, Kim. Um, yeah, I agree, Bobby. I, I, you know, we talked about it, you know, in our group chat today. That just doesn't. That's I. Everything feels like a, a little tax move, and if you can find a way to improve somebody, you, to improve the team a little bit without spending uh, much, you'll take it. But I don't see, I don't see a fire sale, and I don't see a youth movement. No, and you know what, what warrants the youth movement from these guys? I mean, Neesmith again enters the game in a still fairly close game in that first half and completely misses a wide open three. Listen, we've talked about the rhythm stuff. We've gone over and over about all the lack of opportunity and role that these guys have. When they get in a game and you get a practice shot from three and your job entering this league was to be a shooter, you got to hit them at a higher rate than 23%, even if it's on low volume in Neesmith's case. Like, there's just no excuse there. Now, Romeo's had his moments. I don't think he got enough of a shake in this game, which was a bummer. But even he, you know, goes down in the back corner in the final seconds there and just sort of schleps off the court while everybody's celebrating. I didn't love that look from him. And then, you know, Pritchard struggled at times. I Like, listen, I've been the biggest Pritchard advocate. He, he has struggled at times when he's gotten in these games. So this full youth movement that 
so many people want and this massive integration of these young guys. I just haven't seen enough from them to That's, warrant going in know, that direction. It is a bit of a circular conversation that we keep having. The reason you haven't seen enough of them is because they haven't played them enough. But what kind enough. of roles are they supposed to get? And again, just, it, it, it all comes down to, again, it's the same thing. It, okay. it goes back to last year. Why did we spend a minute on Semi Ojale? Like, what did Semi Ojale get you? What was the point of playing him at all? What's Josh Richardson get you at this point? He's a professional player who helps. He's a veteran presence, and that's fine. But ultimately, aren't you better off seeing whether you have something in one of your younger players that might become an, a long-term asset for you? It's not the short-term gain that you might get, however little you're going to get off of it from that type of player, isn't worth it. And I'm going to throw Schroeder in there, too. He's been super effective because they've needed him at times, and without him, they would have He's won the guy. fewer games. But between Schroeder and Richardson, you're looking at Romeo Neesmith Pritchard minutes there. There's about 40 minutes there that you could get. That if you don't have those guys, you're dividing it among those three. Would you rather have seen them playing consistently 15, 16 minutes each to this point in the season and not have had those guys? I say yes. Schroeder's the guy, and to some degree, Richardson, because they're ball handlers, secondary ball handlers, and you can slide. Uh, Pritchard's most specifically into that spot. And even Romeo to some degree, because I think he does have secondary ball handler potential. Uh, I don't see him running sets, but he's made plays in spots throughout his early career. Uh, Nismith's a guy I think that's just a little bit lost right now. I, I don't know a straight path to getting him involved this year in particular, uh, other than just squeezing him out there. And they've tried to do that. I mean, this game, again, there's been multiple games this year where they've squeezed him in the lineups in the first half and just uh, got nothing out of him. So... I've said this, there's different levels to the youth. I mean, Grant's clearly involved and could get more involved if you put him above Horford in the rotation. That's another uh, thing you should be doing already. And again, not just because Grant has a super high ceiling and he's going to be a star. He shoots, you know, like his is a his is a fit. Thing, he was awesome you know? tonight, I thought. Yeah, just uh, hesitating and, you know, waiting for his shot on the right side while scanning the floor to see if an extra pass was there. He's talked in the past about always looking to make that extra pass rather than being aggressive himself, him sort of hitting that sweet spot and hit, spotting up and making right. in that, in that situation was great. Uh, offensive rebounding early was a big plus from him. He just gets better and better by the game. I feel right. like, you know, by he little, had that little he had that sequence. He had that sequence in the first half or first quarter. I think it was where he had the block shot ran the floor and his shot was goaltended. But the fact that he was able to block a shot, which we don't see him do much of that at all. Run the floor well enough to get in position to get that's those are little, little things like that we don't see enough of from Grant. And we're not going to see a lot of that. But the fact that he has the ability to do that, the fact that they recognize that he can do that, he's he's easily the most improved player on this team. And, and I would probably say top ten most improved players in the league this this year. Yeah, I think that move's going to happen, and I think that's inevitable, Bobby. And I know John talked about Al, you know, earlier in the show. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this has a lot to do with the trade deadline, you know, hoping that they can, Al could get hot a bit. Maybe they can dangle him in, in a deal somewhere. But I think once the trade deadline comes, whether Al's still on the team or not, I think we're probably going to see that move happen and Grant move into the starting lineup, especially if he keeps shooting this way, you know. I just think he fits, he fits in with those guys better than he ever has. Um. Can I just say one thing about the play the kids movement? There, there's there's so many different ways this can go, and I think that's why they're seeing so many spotty lineups and rotations with Emay right now is because 
we always talk about this. You know, if you play all the kids and just suck, then what does that do to Tatum and Brown? What does that do about your chances to maybe make the playoffs? Make them play harder. That's what I think. Dude, I mean, I think they're doing every. I think whether or not they play well doesn't. I mean, I think they're playing pretty damn hard, only because they don't really have a choice with some of the guys that are out there. I mean, yeah, there are games where they don't look completely locked in, but the whole the whole issue is that the talent around them hasn't been there. So you're gonna take away any semblance of talent they had and expect them to still play hard and so here's, go and try to win and then like it's a the, good like, point jimmy it goes back to what me and Shara said earlier in the show what's the goal is the goal to be a bottom it's, five team or a top five team it doesn't have to be goals. it doesn't have to be all or nothing i mean we keep having this conversation like you trade everybody and play all the kids or you selectively trade some guys and play grant and pritchard maybe or you know romeo and spots like they're, they're not all the same in fact i've said i think romeo's time is just about up here you know, with the contract extension eligibility coming up and just his salary next year of $6 million, and with the little he's shown at this point in terms of being an NBA player, I don't know how much time he has left to prove himself. Neesmith, by contrast, you know, he's a year into his career. You know, it doesn't matter to me if he gets lost this year. He has multiple opportunities in years to come to get involved here. Maybe it's not here. Maybe it's somewhere else. But it's not critical to squeeze him in now. Grant? I think you're right, Josue deserves more opportunity. I just, this is my question. It, we're now looking at the starting lineup that we've complained about over and over, and I've been one of them. 91 defensive rating now through 14 games. The last two games, an 89 defensive rating. They are suffocating teams with that unit at this point. And Ime keeps using that as an excuse to defend it. And it's getting harder to bash them for it. I mean, they the Kings could not get into the paint early on. Uh, they're just jacking up threes to try to get a shot and open look over it. And they have perimeter guys and lane swarming at them. And it was the same deal for the Wizards on Sunday where Dinwiddie and Beal couldn't get an open look all game long. And it just sets up this nice rotation that Ime really starts seems to like where they're just excellent defensively through every single rotation that they put out there. You talk about a 90 defensive rating in the modern NBA. That is like superb, superb, superb. And they haven't faltered at all. So I have a hard time thinking that they're going to get away from that anytime soon, even if the offensive returns aren't great on that. Um, last few games they have been, though, by turning up the pace, 134 offensive rating for that unit through 30 minutes. It, it's hard to um, – like, I don't I don't see that changing, Josue. I really I mean, don't. It's not, it, Bobby, well. it's not hard to argue against it because – it's you've seen a period of success and then you've seen a period of while continued defensive success, total offensive stagnation. That's been mind blowing and really the biggest problem with the team. So it's not completely, we just, we can't have a recency bias with it. It is currently, it's always been a good defensive unit. It's just the offense has been so bad and so stagnant and no spacing and no shooting and you're getting the Jays off to bad starts because everybody's focused on them and it's setting bad tones for the game. We've seen it a ton and how many we've had a bunch of 40 point first halves as a result. So again, it yeah. it isn't it, it is something you can absolutely make an argument against. Not just, just because think... it worked the last two games and because we know the defense yeah. is good. It's the trade-off and the trade-off for a while looked like it wasn't worth it. You know, if they completely buy into 
you know, this idea of zinging the ball around the court, moving off the ball and, and, and playing for each other and, and running and moving transition. And they buy into that stuff and you see them kick it up offensively. Some that's fine. But the way they were playing with that slow pace and dragging it up half court and putting the ball. I'm in just one saying, though, we're not talking about good defense. We're talking about like the best in the league. I know, but we're also that. talking about incredible, like worst bottom third of the league offense for, 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 for a while. So, again, right. There's a trade, you know, yeah. and and they'd go so cold for so long in periods of time. You don't know what kind of effect that has long term when people are just in miserable shooting slumps and starting What's the to trade off cold. with Grant, though. You know, you do get a little bit of shooting there. You lose a lot of size at the four. And it's just how many teams are playing. How, it just two things we've talked about the most. How many teams are playing? double big right back at you because a couple of games recently you you barely even had one reasonable big on the other team um and two just in terms of your rotations i really just think all the five minutes have to go to rob and and and, and al Good and point. it should be it should they've, be they've th- been doing that it should too. be 30 and 18 or 30 28 and 22 whatever you want 30 28 and 20 that's about it that should be it and then there's no more ernest Cantor ever and then you play, you mix and match lineups based on different, you know, times of the game there. And you're playing Grant with the starters and you're working in other people. But I think the five should all, all five minutes should go to those two guys. What do you want to see there, Jimmy? Um, on lineups? Starters. I mean, I, I said this earlier. I like, I, are they going to keep Richardson? Are, they gonna, are you talking about after the deadline or just right now? Right he now. hasn't been listening for a long time. Let, ask, <laughs> ask, 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 ask Sherrod the same question. Are we talking about Pritchard? No, no. Some people want to trade these guys. Some people don't. I'm like smart. I'm like smart right now. Here's what I want. That was five or six. The trade was five or six minutes ago. Jimmy's knee Smith standing in the corner. I'm trying to get him the ball right now, and he's just asleep. He's just airballed He's just airballed it. Uh, Sherrod, please answer the question. Just, I, I would, I would like to flip Grant and Al. That that would. I, I just. Jimmy's like, time. shit. He called on me, dude. I'm I'm scrolling like, <laughs> right now. I'm like looking at quotes and stuff, and he's like, "What do you think, Jimmy?" I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go." That's Mr. what you get for homeschooling. Why don't you answer the question, Mister Toscano, in the back yeah. row? Yeah. Seriously, dude. Uh, unbelievable. Jimmy's had a couple of those moments the last few games. That's great. I've said before, I like Richardson to be a starter. He isn't a starter, so it doesn't really matter what I think. I'm not huge on playing the kids as much as you guys are. I don't really think it's there right now, but I understand why you want to do it. But to me, I want to see if they can just scrap out some wins here and get on some sort of – So you, you want Grant to ride. So the question is, like? would you split up the bigs? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I said I would have put Richardson in there. What, is that, what does that look like, Sherrod? You, you like Richardson. Grant and Al. Say that again? What, is that what, does, like? what does it look like if you switch Grant and Al? Because I'm worried. Grant's been a good defender this year, but at and times he does give up a lot of size and gets shot over. And the, the, fact that, the fact that you have him coming off the bench and the too. fact that he's in, yeah. a, in, a, he's in, in a limited role – it's kind of like riding a bike with training wheels. Let's see what he can do when you take the training wheels off and play with the big boys, play with the starters, and, and, and see what happens. He may surprise us and, and play a better than, than you would think. Uh, but I want to find that out. I want to see what that looks like on a more regular basis instead of when a guy is out sick or in protocol or something like that. So, 
I think it'll look good. I mean, I, I, he's he's knocking out open shots. He's doing the things that you need that fifth starter to do. If you're open, knock down the damn shot. Uh, defensively. Uh, he's trying to slide a bit, though. What's that? You're talking about Grant, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's, been, he's slid a little bit since he's like 50% from the corner. Who are we talking about? No, I mean, <laughs> he is. He is still you guys are watching the, the same games, right? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna sit there and say that Crane hasn't slipped a little bit from that three point. Not much. Not much. Not at all. really. He's like forty three on the year. Yeah, but he, he was dipped a, He dipped for a and little what, bit. What teams are starting to do is push him off the push him off the the corners. You worry about what he's starting against to... opposing starters. You do. Yeah, but but what he's starting to do a better job of is when they push him off the line rather than just stop his dribble and pass it. He's actually still attacking, whether it's like trying to shoot a floater or trying to draw the defense and then kick it to someone over. He's not allowing defenses to dictate what he does as much as I thought he was when he was kind of dipping a little bit. That's important. And he's sticking with everybody on the perimeter. I thought he has had a very underrated year on the defensive end. He can switch to every position right now. You saw him in Washington defending Beal, defending Dinwiddie. You saw him against their bigs. He's all over the place on that end, which is just awesome. You know, they his, scored. They scored on him, but he made it much harder than I thought he could to score. Yeah, on. there was there was one possession where he had a guy. He kind of got frustrated, at a lack of a call offensively, and the guy slid yeah. by him. But I think I think it was Dinwiddie. Yeah, it was. he was there the whole time with the guy in front of him. Uh, he's just, he's earned it. He really has. I think he's had a much better year than Horford, and it's definitely a move you can mm-hmm. look at there. When you're putting up the defensive numbers that that starting five is, though, my only thing is is that I think that gives Ime an excuse to stick it with does. what he's doing right now. Because it's it's just those numbers third. are really good. They're really oh, good. Oh, they're unreal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you just see Sacramento couldn't even get off the ground in that first six minutes of this game, and that basically set up the rest of the game from there. They had seven minutes, like seven points, like the first eight minutes of this game. Uh, that starting lineup, it was starting lineup set a great tone. Because yeah, the one thing is. the Kings have been able to do all year was score. I mean, regardless yeah. of who's in or out of the lineup. And, and the fact that they were And so the Wizards. Cute. You know, the Wizards can score, great. too. And you held them 87. Yeah, true. So That is true. Um, you know, nothing not really. Totally true. Totally true. Hope even not. Jimmy, even Jimmy thinks so. Um, <laughs> but we got away from it a little bit, Bob, because, uh, you know, we talked about it and then uh, you were doing your thing. Uh, and so, you know, we want to circle back to it, but we we're talking about obviously the game that Jalen and Jason had um, together, uh, which was great because uh, that's what you want to see. Uh, Ime, who's been tough on the guys uh, for a lot of the year, just in terms of even after good games, you've heard him say a lot of times things like, well, yeah, you know, but we really want to see them work in the ball. We really want to see this. We really want to see that. There's been a lot of, like, coded language there and how he may talked about them even after success. This is about as effusive as I've heard him be uh, of their play after the game. Uh, if you're in a noisy place, mute it so we don't hear you. I'm going to play. Uh, this is Ime talking about oh, Jalen and Jason. Yeah, uh, sets the tone, you know. Uh, everybody kind of follows their lead, but. Um, they're buying in on both ends of the court, uh, guarding extremely well, and then uh, carrying over from last game offensively. That was great to come out and see. But you know they are the two pillars and leaders of the team, and and they when they come out and play with that intensity, everybody seems to follow suit. So everybody has a role. Obviously, Robert's huge out there. Marcus doing some of the same things, but those guys really set the tone offensively, and um, the effort that they're giving on defense, and you know holding the team to thirty in this day. And age in the NBA is obviously high level defense in the first half. 
all across all across the board leaders pillars effort defense a buy-in pillars that there's that pillars word that again. was that was like Ime's greatest hits of like everything he said in his introductory press conference mm-hmm. of what he <clears throat> wanted them to be this is what he talked about them being empowering them in the beginning these guys have to set the tone that these guys have to be leaders and then what happened nobody wanted to be the captain uh everything got <laughs> weird you know <laughs> the season got off to a strange start half you know this guy wasn't playing that guy wasn't playing and then you know it really we never circled back to this notion of like Tatum and Brown being the guys, being the leaders, setting the tone with their effort and their play every single night, which is obviously what I he wanted. Obviously, where I think the whole captain thing was going by empowering these two guys to be like, go out in front of the pack and have everybody follow you. It just kind of never happened. And I mean, all we one, talk- uh, no, oh. not one, but two, two captains, anybody. two captains, two captains. which two, I don't know. Right. Oh, I forgot about that already. <laughs> Is there any all-star captains? <laughs> no, but anybody uh, wants- half the load of a captain. I think Ime has been expecting these guys to make his job easier along the mm-hmm. way of like, so I'll just come in and I'll be, you know, uh, you know, Steve Nash did it with these stars, you know, like I'll just come in and I'll, you know, kind of pump us up and get us to whatever. But like, you guys are just going to carry it. You know, it can just I, didn't happen. Can I, you know? can, can I have like a one second aside, just like the opposite end of that spectrum? Tyrese yeah. Halliburton tonight. Obviously the Kings haven't won in the past, haven't been to the playoffs for 15 years, but I refuse to let the culture of what the Kings have been in the past take over who I am as a person. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Man, you like need to you need to ask for a trade, young fella. I had a, you don't want that to happen. You need to find a new team to play for. I had a motto for the season. It was at least we're not the Lakers. At least we're not the Lakers or the Kings. I think is, is yeah. how it's got to be amended. But anyway, back to you, man. Anyway, so this again, I, I don't maybe I'm overreacting or exaggerating, but this sounded like you know. Ime was pretty psyched about these guys for the first time in a long time. Not that he hasn't been down on them the whole time, but this, well, like I said, kind of covered all what of they've it, right? Done. Let's look at what they've done over the last couple of weeks. They finally closed some games, those Indiana ones and others. Um, they've gotten better at closing out quarters, as he talked about. I think Tatum and Brown, you saw again, still connected going on like two months now, passing to each other pretty often. And... You know, they're finally starting to extend some leads and stay engaged and not let their foot off the gas. You just start to check off all these little things that Emes wanted them to start doing throughout the year, and they're doing it. And it's been consistent, and it's starting to build. Listen, you have the bumps in the road, like the Charlotte game and the Portland one, and the thing that I still think this team has to get past is falling in love with the three. I talked about that Mm -hmm. all last week. Um, So we'll see if they can start to hit that milestone. But one thing I like about this team is that they learn pretty fast and they're starting to absorb a lot of this stuff and he may throwing a ton at them in year one pretty quickly you know the transition the pace and over the last couple games is something he talked about you see them flying up the court now uh it's it's good and that's why i felt okay about this year just because of the fact that last year you accomplished nothing this year even though you're not accomplishing much you're at least starting to see he may instill the habits that he wants to see out of these guys somebody say something cosine oh word all right 
I Not, think everyone was... stopped listening. What the hell, guys? I was actually listening. I just everything I wanted to You're counting on me to direct the traffic. No, you go. I went like 12 seconds last time. You just like cut me. Anyways, go for it, Josue. Big Josue. They didn't want to step up and lead. And now they're leading by example. And I think at the end of the day, you know, Ime is like, wow, that's it. You guys finally got it. Like that, you put it all together for one game. You got a win that I'm actually really proud of. And we have to see if they can keep this going, obviously. But, you know, Ime can't be that cruel, right? He's got to throw up a bone every once in a while. And I'm glad he did. You know, I'm glad he didn't point out that one thing that bothered him or something that uh, he would have liked them to them to do better. It's kind of hard to really kind of crack the whip at your team when you beat the snot out of a team the way they did Sacramento. It, it's it's hard to be overly critical of that. I mean, you I mean, what are you going to say? Well, we, we you know, we should have played a little bit better defense. What do you mean? You, you won by 50 points. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, but obviously, <laughs> if you're a coach, you're going to find areas of improvement, areas that you can get better at. But you don't have to have that conversation right after the damn game that you won by like 50-something points. Email's gonna. Here's what here's what I think we're we're starting to see. We're starting to see both the players and the coach get a better pulse for one another, figuring out how to navigate effectively going forward. Uh, you look this at the. This is way why they, I hate the email criticism. Why? Why? Why is that, Bobby? Because I feel like everything people looked for last year that Brad wasn't providing, Ime has begun to provide. So he can split hairs about his rotations, and he can get frustrated that he doesn't play the young guys. But Tatum and Brown are responding to him, and he has the room, and he's been able to be tough without losing them, which I think is huge in everything you were looking for in a coach. So I'm not worried that he's playing double big or doing some things that piss people off from a rotation standpoint, because the thing that was most important here was establishing a culture. And it's been uneven, but overall, I feel like they've connected with him. Haven't you? I mean, they've been, it's been, it's definitely been better. Uh, and you can see it trending in the right direction, but it's, it's, it's still, there's room to get better. There's room to grow with that. But the, to me, the, the big thing is that more than anything else, your two best players are actually starting to play like your two best leaders. They're leading by example. You, you look at this game. I mean, I don't think it was just a coincidence that both Jalen and Jason were knocking out shots. And all of a sudden, damn near everyone who stepped on the floor, other than Aaron Eastman, was, was knocking down shots. And even Aaron finished four for eight from the field. He just couldn't make any, he just couldn't make threes. So they're doing what you're supposed to do when you're as talented as they are. I'm talking about Jalen and Jason. And there's no, you don't have a Kyrie. You don't have a Gordon Hayward. You don't have an Allen is prime ahead of you. You don't have a Kimba Walker. This is your team. This is your team to lead. And you, I think they're finally figuring out how to do that, still get their numbers, and still work within the framework of what Ime is trying to do system-wise. Yeah, and again, uh, Bobby, I'm uh, I'm generally speaking with you. I always think picking on the coach is low-hanging fruit. I believe all of the Ime issues have to do with a first-year coach that wants to play as veterans because that's what he feels comfortable with and he doesn't want to do anything super risky because it's his first year as an NBA coach. And a lot of coaches do that. They rely on – things that they view as reliable. And I so think that's almost why... every coach relies on their veterans. But yeah, short rotations and a pop would pop would do that too. Short rotations and um play the veterans. That's fine. I just think the 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 double big, the double point guard, the no point guard, certain things have been flags of like this yeah. doesn't They've work. They've gone man. away from the point and, guard thing. But 
that's fine. But to, they, they have, but to the, those guys respond to him. I, that's been a issue we've had. Are they responding? Like, why are these guys sleepwalking through some of these games? Why are these guys not playing with pace when he obviously wants them to play with pace? Why are these guys not making the extra pass when he keeps saying we need these guys to play the make the extra pass? Why is the defensive intensity there sometimes and not there others? Not just from the team, from these two guys. If they're responding to him, they should have been responding by acting the uh, this way on the court. I, I do not believe that they... They respond to him. And I don't know that it's his fault. I think it's their issue. They didn't do it with Brad and they didn't do it with their handpicked guy. So this is their maturity and their growth where they have to recognize I have to do this all the time. I can't pick and choose spots, especially on teams that aren't that lack talent. Um, I've got to be perfect here. I can't I can't coast. We're not good enough to coast. And so they haven't done that this year. And if you. If it took 40-something games of taking some lumps for them to figure it out and they turn a corner, we'll forget about it. It'll look back on it and be like, well, that was rocky, but they finally figured it out. But it's all about the consistency. Again, I don't think we shouldn't fall victim to too much recency bias on a team that's one game over 500 it, because this is what happens. It's on and it's off. And it, they have not responded like we want them to respond. I'm just not uh, – but I'm with you, Bobby. I'm not necessarily blaming Ime for their response. That's why we've put a lot on Tatum and Brown's shoulders. Show up every night, be the best version of yourselves, and then whatever happens, happens off of that. You know, God loves that, that phrase. But I, that's I the, the thing. Biggest, the yeah. biggest frustrating, the most frustrating thing about those two is like, yeah, everything that you just said, but I don't think they realize how hard it is. You know, I know it sounds yes. weird when you put it that way, but it's yes. like, no, you have to do this every day, every game, and all the time. And I think they're they're starting to now figure that out. And shit, maybe that's what was part of that conversation that they had a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, yeah you know, yeah. guys like Marcus have talked about injuries, and you know, they sure they've lined up a couple of excuses here and there. But for the most part, that's what it boils down to. We've been talking about it for months: effort and being consistent and being able to put forth that same effort every single night. You know, as a cohesive unit, I think that's what we're finally seeing these two, you know, do or put together. Especially yeah, today. I'm, not, I'm also not ready to go there with Ime or with with the Jays and say, oh. Just because they beat the crap out of this horrible Kings team, and I know that Tatum had a great game against the Wizards, I'm just not ready to say, "Oh, these guys turned the corner. They're the leaders that you know Ime was looking for." Right. Trying not to pick yet. captains because a week ago we were trashing these guys, and rightfully I, so. That, so I definitely yeah, wanted so, them to be captains. I'm not yeah. saying they've turned the corner overall. No, no, no but I mean, too, no, but Jimmy, it's the same. Finish up, Jimmy. Sorry. No, I mean, Go. yeah, like, I, it's. Listen, I mean, I give them props for the way they play tonight. This is how you want to see them play more consistently. Nobody's expecting a 50-point win, obviously, but they should they should be able to play harder for more, you know, consistently over a period of time. A couple of the losses that they've had recently were situations where Ime completely lost the team down the stretch. I mean, the collapse against the Portland Trailblazers is – I mean, that was – Yeah, so that's where I was going. Ever seen. It was only a couple of days ago. So let's just pump the brakes just a little bit. I mean, Ime definitely deserves – blame on certain things but it always comes back to the players it always comes back to whether or not you know they're i guess buying into what Ime is trying to say and john mentioned it you know they completely tuned brad out last season and that's why brad you know that's why they had to so make a change I, I, there and now it's like they're i think Ime is getting to them in some ways but how many times have we watched Ime, you know after the game just pretty much say how disgusted he is with you know everybody's yeah. starting from and, the top and, 
and then that comes in the fourth quarters, which they still haven't solved entirely. The close games, the moments where the turmoil starts to build up and things go against them, I still question how they're able to respond in those spots. They came through against the Pacers. They didn't do all that well against the and the Blazers in those spots. And that Blazers one still looks particularly ugly, the third biggest lead of the year disappearing in that one and falling in love with the threes. So I see them checking off certain boxes. And 45 what, threes tonight, Bobby, but that's, you know. And, you know, and what they want to accomplish, it's not 100%, but they are checking off certain boxes. The problem I have is that I still don't believe in them when things get tumultuous, and that includes injuries. These last two games, they've been fully healthy here. It's great when they can have everything in place and their rotation set and they're not having a guy jump up or playing extra minutes or any of those things you have to do when a guy gets hurt. Also, filling in for somebody's role when a guy like Smart's missing. So those are the areas, Jimmy, where I still think they have a lot of improvement, and that's why I'm so concerned about them being able to fully figure this out because I don't think a trade, an addition – any of the different stuff we kick around in terms of fixing this team can really change the mindset and their ability to withstand adversity. Like I've been talking all year about the spiraling that you see with this group. And now we've heard Eme start to say that too over the last month or so here, the snowballing. When mm-hmm. things go wrong here, they go really wrong. And it's good when you have a game like this where the other team never really threatens you, but we still get to see them more often come through when the other team makes a mad dash back into the game and the shots stop falling and things get more difficult in the fourth quarter because the other team's locking in defensively. That's what they're going to see in the playoffs and in the playing tournament, stuff like that. And we have certainly seen them falter numerous times in those situations. So those are the big ones. I'm just saying that's, that the leadership. that's when real leadership comes into play. And that's when real coaching comes into play. So until we start to see that more consistently, I'm not crowning anybody after this game. I mean, I'm happy right. and I'm not going to be a downer. But let's just keep it well. What it is, you know. Keep it real, as they say. Such a downer, Jimmy. No, dude, I'm I'm a realist. I'm a realist, dude. You know what? I'm a realist. Man. So. Sorry, all the green. Did we uh? Did we talk smart at all? Because I've I've obviously been really high on smart. We waited for you. We waited for you. We purposely. We purposely. We purposely put that to the side. <laughs> yeah, Bobby, they were talking shit, yo. Before we there's on, someone. There's Before someone in the on. chat right now who's been screaming at us the whole time. Like, these bozos won't talk about smart. And I've just been <laughs> laughing at it. I think smart. Oh, sorry, I'm going to get the flack immediately here. But I think smart. The Don't say the word. Has been Use the right adjective. Use the uh, right adjective. All right. I, I think smart has just been phenomenal. That's the word that pops into my head. Like, there's no better word I can think. Yes, I think it's I think it's fitting of this situation. He has come in and gotten guys shots in their locations. He has pushed the pace. He has completely shut down some solid opposing guards over these last two games here. And he hasn't shown any urgency in taking his own shot or trying to solve things himself on the offensive end of the floor. I just think his defense gets so taken for granted at this point and you look at what he's able to bring as a facilitator, especially early on in this game. He's been a big, big help for them. And listen, he, he's not like Kyle Lowry or Lonzo Ball or some of these star guards that are going to put up big, big scoring nights. He has zero in a game like this. But I just feel like he was imp- as impactful as just you would see a guy having like a 15, 20-point game. He just does it in all the other different areas that you don't necessarily see or show up on the stat sheet. I think that's such a real thing with him. And the plus-minus these last two games really shows it more than anything. Yeah, I think but I mean, great. they're blowouts. Again, everything for him, 
they're, they're but he's out there establishing those. I know, but I mean, Rob, Rob was 42, Tatum was 36, Smart was 36, Brown was 35, and 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 Grant Williams in 23 minutes was a plus 28. So I mean, everybody had a massive yes, plus Smart's minus. doing it with zero points. So yeah. he's doing it in other areas to be able to right because Tatum and Brown are scoring all the points when he's on the floor. I mean, it's obviously like I'm not taking it away from him, but the fact that he didn't score doesn't make the plus minus <laughs> that more remarkable. It's everyone around him is doing the scoring while he's out there. That actually yeah. lends to the narrative that he's a passenger. Um, but yeah, you're gonna give a prosper Bradley Beal drought? No, the Bradley no, Beal I, drought. I forgot dude, he was playing in that. That's game. what you. I just wanted to use a different adjective than phenomenal. I thought Marcus Smart was good tonight. <laughs> we the, should. Have, we should new rule. That doesn't equate phenomenal. That doesn't equate phenomenal. I don't think you could look at zero points on zero for three field goals, seven assists, three turnovers, yeah. and and phenomenal pops. He's really in a fifty point win. <laughs> in a fifty something point win where defense didn't matter as much. Um, fine, but he was good, and he, they're better with him. Nobody. That's the problem that. with you guys. You don't care about defense. That's, like, nobody cares. You're never going to give him the appropriate credit because care that's about what he's doing it. all the Like every normal like fan and anyone affiliated with the game cares about defense to an extent, but they don't overrate it and count it more than offense. Nobody well, does. You're seeing the impact of it when he's really playing at his best on that end, and he has been a big time help on both ends of the floor this year. When you look at the numbers, just what he's doing to shut down certain guys, the organization on the defensive end, the difference when he's out there versus when he's not. And even on offense, they're getting better shots, higher percentage shots. He's in the upper, upper echelon percentile wise of anybody's on off numbers for effective field goal percentage and turnover rate goes way down when he's out there. Like all these different things. All right, let me ask you a question. Being out of control. Let he me helps ask you a solve. question. For real, let me ask you a question, Bobby. The entire NBA world writes is it that's writing about trade deadline stuff. Smart people that cover this game professionally, okay, for years and years and years, who understand and analyze the game, state it. State as a fact. Boston's number one need is replacing Marcus Smart at point guard because they don't have a true point guard. That's what's holding them back. That's their greatest area of need. Outside of the little Boston echo chamber, this is known and talked about as the number one issue that the Celtics need to address. Why do we need to keep making Marcus Smart into something he's not? Can we just accept the fact that he's really good at defense, he's a soul and energy guy on this team, having him makes them better. But in the role that he's in, this has been a struggle this year, and the and the offense has struggled at, at for most of the year because they haven't had a true playmaker and another person who can carry a little bit more of the offensive burden. It's not insulting Marcus Smart to say that. Marcus Smart is really good at a bunch of stuff, but as the primary point guard on this team, they've struggled with him at the helm. That's not a knock on him. I don't know why we have to shoehorn him into being awesome and the guy who sets the tone and the facilitator all the time when he's been around plenty and we've seen mixed performances throughout the year. And offensively, this team has struggled with him as their starting point guard. Yeah, oh, but see, that's two different conversations, John. You know, the, the, the one conversation is... That's what I'm trying to team. say. It is two conversations. <laughs> Marcus guard. Smart is good is one conversation. Marcus Smart is the right point guard for this team is no, another. No. Those the are the two, two conversations. No, the two conversations is, does this team need a new point guard? And do you need to get rid of Marcus Smart? You know, it, that, if you want to it's take It's not Marcus rid Smart, of... Yeah, but if you get if it doesn't mean that okay, if you want to replace Marcus Smart in a trade, we're not we've talked about this before. The point guard, if there is a point guard in that deal coming back, it's not gonna be better than Marcus Smart, right? You so, don't know that. 
22 and 18 what when Smart What team is gonna put their their point their better point guard for Marcus Smart? We went through the list. We literally went through like some of the the bottom feeders of the of the NBA, and, and we all agreed that most of those teams wouldn't swap their point guard for Marcus Smart. So then, what what, what does that mean? That's okay. a big part of it. Yeah, you can't upgrade by moving him. Again, At the same time, is Marcus Smart your best asset? Yes. So it puts the Celtics in a tough spot. You explore options for Marcus Smart. Yeah, sure. You know, if you can get. But you're gonna lose a lot. You don't. You're gonna lose a lot. Okay. If you don't want him at point guard, okay, I get that. That's fine. But that doesn't equate flipping him for an inferior point guard to come in here and do what? So again, but this is where this is where you guys blow the argument. It's the assumption that getting that moving on from Marcus means tossing him on the sidewalk for nothing. That's not the point. Replacing him as a point guard, but you have a point guard option. If your you could stand to lose a lot. Stop. Let's say this: If your best wing is Harrison Barnes, and the Cura Kings fan, and you're saying we need a better primary wing scorer than Harrison Barnes, is that an accurate statement? Yes. It doesn't mean you can trade Harrison Barnes for a better guy. It just means you need a better guy. Right? You just you just need a better guy. It does, of course, you can't trade a guy for a better guy. That's a ridiculous argument to make. If you could, everyone would do it. But oh, you I'll just stand. Yeah, you stand to it would never happen. It's impossible. It's insane. Why would you think that you could trade a guy you're not satisfied with for a better one? You can't. So no, you I'm have to improve other places. I'm talking about a better point guard. I'm talking about a better player. That's I'm saying a better point guard. Because this team needs a classic type point guard. You can't. A pass first point guard. Who the F is that pass first point guard? Guys, it doesn't work that way. You don't trade guys. You don't trade guys for better guys. It doesn't work that way. Well, this is the problem, John. We're not emphasizing enough how much better they've been with him out there. The on-off numbers, you you said it yourself. It's because they don't have a they don't have an appropriate replacement level guy, so they drop way off when Smart's out of there. So if you just give up Smart and don't get an appropriate return back, the you're going to be in a much worse spot. It, but you're acting like the only thing that matters and is the next. Like you're acting like the only thing that matters is the next ten games or the next twenty games. You're building for the future of Tatum and Brown, guys. You're not building for the who's going to replace Marcus in the lineup tomorrow. It's so short-sighted. But why can't Smart be part of it? He's not 35. Because you've at this point, you've seen him playing for seven years. He is not he's been great. Start, he is not your starting point guard, guys. Listen, it okay. just depends how Maybe you feel not, about him. But... I've seen Smart do a lot of great things for this team over the years. And in many situations, when he's been emphasized, he's come through and gotten it done for them in the playoffs, in starting point guard situations, coming back from injury here and lifting them off the ground. He's not the problem. So I'm not looking at and saying you got to get rid of him because he's not the solution. Why do we keep saying get rid of him? Why do we keep saying get rid of him? Because there's no clear path to finding something good by moving him. The value just isn't there around the league. So you don't just give up and hope and pray that something works out of that. Listen, I'm willing to listen to the Brunson uh, solution there if that's the direction you go in. But he's a shorter guy who's going to be much worse on defense and isn't necessarily a ceiling raiser as a playmaker. We just have to be available. 
Yeah, we just have to learn how that. much Jar can help right. you. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, so the year is 2025, and the Celtics have just had their fifth straight 500 Dude, season. And, and then, uh, Marcus Smart is not expiring. <laughs> He's actually got a brand new deal. But and exactly. Game. So we'll just ride out this core. There'll no, be 500 no. for four more years, and then we'll think, oh, maybe we should have gotten another point guard. Saying, what's the rush, John? What's he, 37? What no. rush? Is he on expiring contract? No. Listen, I have said. <laughs> What's the rush? We're in year seven. No, I'm <laughs> saying to sh- you know what I'm saying. I'm oh saying he, they don't have to trade within the next three weeks, or the world's gonna you know cr- come crashing Listen, down. No, John, I'm not. No, a, I'm, not I'm not a guy who. Right now. I'm not a guy who's gonna defend. A better deal for Marcus in the future than it is right now. I guarantee you. I'm not a guy who's defended smart to the end of the earth. I wanted them to get ahead on this situation and trade him for a guy like Collins. Uh, you certainly, I think, were 100% right in trying to flip him for Ball at one point and getting really aggressive at making a move like that. They'd be in a much better spot right now with Ball over Smart. And there's certain guys you look yeah. at around the league that you can get ahead on. Halliburton, who I love, would be phenomenal if you could get a guy like that. There's certain people I think that they have to start to look at now and get ahead on this Smart situation and project growth into the future and being that starting point guard. The problem is, is that you're behind on so many different guys, including Halliburton. There's no chance you could ever get him from the Kings, especially for smart. So Missed what's out, out there? Murray yeah. Murray, another guy who has just grown. So you can start to yeah. forecast someone and I'm all for that. Brunson might be that guy who's the next massive leap at point guard. And you make an aggressive offer to Dallas this off season. I don't think it makes sense now, uh, but Keeping smart for now makes sense. You can address it in the offseason. I don't think there's a lot of opportunity that you're foregoing by keeping him now, um, just for salary and different reasons. It's just I wish we'd emphasize how he's actually been for this team over the years. Dinwiddie's been horrible this year. Yeah. I know, but, he, but he, now he's available. That's the thing. That's right? a bad reason. That's a bad reason to go after a guy. Well, he's available, so I mean, he shot one. Well, but if he was, if he was unbelievable, are, are we really, are we really gonna pull up Dinwiddie's shooting splits and compare them to Marcus Smart? They've been the worse. Than why stars. he doesn't worse? Okay. But again, oh, right. Bobby, you, well you got to get ahead of it. You know, you you again, if you if you want to find the best players in the NBA, yeah, I can list those guys off too. But you're not gonna get those guys. So if if that's why I said, okay, well that makes him available. Yeah, if if he's you know, not having a great season. He's on a team that isn't really winning, and maybe they're looking to shake things up. Those are the types of guys that are available. Sound familiar? Sound familiar to what, what the Celtics are going through? Why do you think Marcus Smart's, quote-unquote, available? So you guys need to understand that. I know that some of you guys do, but apparently not everyone does. That's the kind of move that could burn you, I think, just because he seems it's to be sometimes not making a move could burn you. We're watching it happen. Literally, the entire situation they're in is because of their indecision up until this point. And this is what they've been left with. So, again, you're talking about – and this conversation isn't even about, about trading. This conversation is not about mm-hmm. moving on from Marcus Smart. This conversation is about the Celtics' need for a better yeah. point guard. That is a different conversation altogether. So the Celtics' need for them to cl- be clicking at a higher level, a different point guard. There's a world in which Marcus Smart could have a role in that 
if you if you had drafted a guy who was better than that and you could pay him and Marcus Smart his salary to be the sixth man energy guy, your team is that much better for it. Okay, it's yeah, just you might be right about that, but it's they, they two can different conversations. That, Marcus Smart is good. This team needs a better point guard. They can both be true. It's there's no reason to say you can't trade him because of X, Y, and Z. That's still That's, possible, John. Yeah. Whether it's a draft or let's say Brunson wants to come to Boston because he would have clear reign as the starting point guard in Boston. It's just a hypothetical. But you don't necessarily have to give up Smart to Dallas in that situation. If he really wants to come here and that's his intent, then the move happens. I mean, we just saw it with Ball to Chicago. Chicago didn't have to give up anything extraordinary to get him, even though it was a sign-and-trade. So I think that's still a little bit of a reach, as Sherrod said. Um, draft is probably the more likely situation where you find that permanent solution at point guard. I'm with you, John. I don't think Smart is the solution there just because of the inordinate amount of time he's playing the two guard next to Tatum and Brown on the on the ball. Uh, so that's not a great fit for him right now. I just don't think the path to solving it is by giving him up. I, I just don't think the value's there. Again, I just don't think we the just guy keep on the other saying giving deal. him up, and I just don't think that's it. You're not giving him up in an it, again the idea of well, what kind Marcus, of deal? Just think of a hypothetical. The idea you of trading you mean trading him away, right, Bobby? Just trading even, him away. Yeah. even giving trading Marcus Smart is all about a reset, not about an improvement. Well, what's the hype? Just think of any deal. If John, you trade you Marcus Smart, it's for. Uh, uh, future assets or anything or it's an offense defense flip for so a like team X? that has for it's either an offense defense flip where you get lucky and another team really views uh their need for defense the same way you view your need for offense and it works it's trading strength for strength we've got a good we've got a good defense we can give up this we need it that would be one another one would be for picks or some future assets and you're hitting a reset button and saying we've got we've ridden this out as far as it's going to go it's good but it's not going to get us there so we're going to take a step back in order to take a step forward that's another one so both of those would be possible but ultimately somewhere you have to find a better point guard to run this team and if the path to that involves trading Marcus in a circuitous way you consider it but it's not the only path to finding it maybe there's another way you can get there I don't know exactly what that is because their resources are limited if it's stacking a kid and a pick somewhere for somebody and that could work for you yeah you could explore that as well I mean but the need I agree is with obvious. that who's playing, who's the need is obvious now in the end of the season that doesn't matter as much if you get the right guy back. I agree with John but on who's all the that. Right guy, man? Nobody says like what, what I'm just mythical figures that, that John. No, you can about you it. can find it, Joe Sway. There's a million point guards in the league, and they're no, coming into the league every the single wings, year. Yeah, he's talking about. I'm not talking about point guards. Oh about yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is it Barnes? Is it Grant? Those are guys I would love if you could get them in return for Smart. I, I you listen, I'm I'm down for that plan. The the problem that I want or what I want people to admit who are more hesitant to get on the smart train here is that he does help them a lot and you would be losing something giving him up which is part of a trade you know i've always said he carries more weight in the deal than john and others have thought at times you know you could have done that gordon deal i don't think that would have been a great deal with orlando there so there's a solution there i just think that deal in particular shows the risk of trading smart for a wing and not having a solution there after the fact um but they're in a tricky situation. There's no right or wrong answer here. And Smart, if you're not giving up Rob, if you're not giving up Tatum, Brown, or Picks, Smart's got to be kind of the guy there on the block. It's a matter of, look, you, you'll never be perfect. You can't be because you just don't have it. So, again, how, 
not every team has everything. Most teams don't have two all-star wings, okay? So you're you're strong one place, you're weak somewhere else. So, like, if right now you, Smart isn't doing it for your offense, but you sacrifice him to bring in somebody who shoots better at that position but also isn't a true point guard, maybe that's a balance. Again, there's a what bunch of Tarek different – There's more than for? one – there's more than one way to build a team. That's all. And so dude, let's not close our minds to it because you look at the roster and be like, ugh, does that mean Dennis is our point guard or who are you going to trade it for? There's more than one way to build a team. But right now they're lacking at the point guard position and it's been a problem all year. And it's obviously an area that people think they need to try to address somehow. How they get there, I have no idea. And they're not going to get there, guys. I mean, I don't know why we're fooling ourselves. We're having all these conversations, and most everything leans towards money-saving tax sort of deals. So, I mean, all of this stuff is pretty much that for not. thing looms so large. Everyone's staying so pressed up against it. Everyone's staying here, and this is what it's going to be, and you're right. You might dump a and Schroeder. It's really, it's really bad that ownership hasn't come out and explained that situation because the move was so But they can't do bad. that. Yeah, they can't. They have to. You can't. They have to. Are you, you can't are tell you your a... fans. You can't tell your fans we're not trying. You're and we think show your cards like that, Bobby. But keep no. You can't say that. Keep coming. Keep coming here and spending money. Well, we're We've all given up on that. you. We've given up on you, but we want you to support us. You can't. Listen, do that. people are smart. They know what that deal was about. Even if they try to fool themselves into the peripheral bonuses of it. Uh, <laughs> Listen, we're going to try to continue to educate them about what's going on there. But the problem from our perspective is we don't have an answer. Is this just a one-year thing with the tax? Is this team adverse about the tax for years to come? There was no repeater tax threat here. There was no urgency to get under the tax. Hell, they might go over the tax again here in the weeks to come if the right opportunity comes along. But the problem is, is that we're guessing. And this is what a lack of transparency does. I mean, I don't think we are guessing. I mean, if you and Sherrod, you know, you're plugged in here. But I mean, every single thing that we're reading here across the league. I mean, that Hollinger thing in the athletic today. I mean, that was depressing as hell. You know, the uh, it will stop them from doing anything to take on money, because if they're even one dollar over the tax, they will miss out on a payout from the other teams, which should be at least 10 million. For a team that's in the middle of the Eastern Conference pack has been pretty financially conservative, even at their peak. Um, I can't imagine them being over the tax line on February 11th, leaving any chance of that happening. So this is across the board. Everyone just knows Celtics aren't going over that tax, man. They're going to save that money. So again, so much of this is pie in the sky. I don't even know why we waste hours and hours talking about potential. Because we don't have a sure answer, you know? Hollinger and others can write that, oh, that 10 million would be nice. But I want to hear from Wick. I want to hear from the ownership group here about what their approach is on that, because they have said in the past, we're going to pay the tax. We're a consistent taxpayer. And it just doesn't add up. What do you think they're going to say? Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, I can't predict answers. We're, I can tell you exactly what they're going to say. Well, we're not, we're not reluctant to spend money for the right opportunity and for the right, right player that would put us into contention. We would absolutely be willing to go over the tax, but we want to make sure that we're being financially smart. You know, when we're when we're looking at investing our money into players for the future, ones that make sense and really fit for the Celtics and what we want to do and blah 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 bullshit. Right. You know, we're, the, the, what it means is we're not we're not contenders. I've told them don't spend any of my friggin' money because this team's going nowhere. If you showed me that you were something else, maybe I would authorize more spending. That's what it is. There, it, there's no benefit to saying it publicly. You can't really do that. Here's my problem with that. It isn't one magic move that's going to fix this. 
They're multiple steps away. They got to start to set the table now. And that might involve paying a little bit of tax, just given where they're at financially. They're not threatened by the repeater tax. There's no massive penalty to being a little bit over. You just miss out on that 10 million, 10 million bucks, and I'm not even really sure where that 10 million goes. And you pay like 3 million bucks in tax. I don't think, I'm not asking them to go 20 million over, but this, that, these backflips, and you've talked about it, John, dumping thigh bowl and getting back into the second round to get a cheaper guy in Edwards, uh, dumping Cantor and Poulier and giving up Desmond Bain, just all these, I wrote about this for uh, Boston Sports Journal last week, all these different backflips that they've done to avoid the tax and squeeze guys in and just do all these financial maneuvers have hurt them. And this might be the latest in one show if they pass up an on opportunity to use that salary uh, at doing something that could help them and set up the future and start to take steps toward where they need to be. I, listen, maybe I'm wrong there, and it's and there was just nothing there, but I don't know. The tax thing with them is frustrating. See, here's the thing about that, Bobby, though. I mean, they, they have shown since they've been in the position of ownership that they will pay for a team that's contending. The team is nice, they, will, they will absolutely pay. But think about this, though, Bobby, and from a, just a pure practical standpoint, if you can afford uh, a luxury car, but you don't need a luxury car to get to where you're trying to get to, why would you try and buy one if you don't need one? They don't need, they, they don't need to, to get into the tax. Because getting into the tax is not going to all of a sudden catapult them to the top four, top five in the East. It's not going to happen. And if you're not going to have a roster that at least gives you a chance to be in that position, why are you going into the tax? Yeah, it, they're it, in a tricky spot because it's more like they have the luxury cars right now. Yeah. They're kind of out of money. And they need to like add some stuff onto the engine and like fix the transmission and yeah. like pay this extra money to keep it going. And that's the tricky thing right now, but they're out of money. So and now right. they're just, the they're just doing oil changes, man. Let me, get at this, let me get at this metaphor. And if I'm the guy offering the loan, <laughs> if I'm the guy offering the loan for this, I'm like, well, wait a minute. What about, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the proverbial Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, but <laughs> You guys can't make that work. Like, can you get can you maximize that before we revisit this conversation? Can you push the car the way you need to go. <laughs> yeah, about, about me, you know, selling out all this money for you to to go off, and I haven't seen the, these guys maximize their potential yet. You know, so. Joe Sway, sometimes you you know, you can find some used parts. The lease runs out on the car, dude. You don't just say, oh well, you know. I don't know what other cars are out there, so I'm not gonna get a new car. <laughs> it's a small window, right? It's a small a window. Car, You're not gonna have. Yeah, they're gonna have that forever. You don't have Do I get anything. to try? Do I get to try? Your turn, John. Your turn. No, I don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> no, no, but it's John's hey, look, the girlfriend metaphor. John's not a car guy. Me. No, it, I'm not a car guy, but it's not, and I don't have a girlfriend analogy here either. John but loves metaphors. My general view on ownership is money's not supposed to matter. I don't care how much goes in your pocket. It's supposed to be a vanity. We expect you to lose money. Try to improve the team at all costs. Do I fault an owner for saying, you know, shit, man, that's real money. You know, like it, it's <laughs> like, I want that 10 million. Like, so you're saying I'm going to win one more game, maybe two and still be a six or seven seed. If I spend this or I can have that salary plus 10 million, can I want the 20 million, you know, like, that's asking a lot. It does of make it. sense from a business perspective. It's, it's asking know. a lot of any human, unless you view sports ownership as just show me the bottom line at the end of the year. I don't care what you spend. Just spend it. Build the, do, right. It should the, be like a toy for somebody. It's a toy. Within the like, rules like of the game, 
it, yes, if the game allows it, spend if it's a, if you can get away with it, do it. The I blank checkbook go. That honestly should be a sports owner's approach uh, because that's what it's supposed Listen, to. What about, if, if, what about Jimmy, this though? There are Jimmy. benefits. There are benefits not just for Wix Pocket to not going over the tax. Correct. We talked about this earlier in our chat. You get the full mid-level exception to use. Yeah, she could be setting the plate for the offseason. The problem is Wancho is expiring anyway, so that money comes off. There's other expiring contracts here. Yeah. There would be other ways to do that. Listen, I, I agree with John in that sense. If there was no use for Wancho. Plus, you got the mid-levels, Jimmy, so you're going to be able to squeeze guys into that if you want. There's room to bring people in without the mid-level being necessarily – I understand the practicality of just dumping Wancho because you weren't using him anyway, not having to give up anything to do so. And if there's no opportunity at the deadline whatsoever, it's a good move. You don't pay the tax this year. You kick back the repeater another year and you don't waste money that you don't have to on this team that isn't going anywhere. So I understand the practicality of it. I just don't think three weeks out from the deadline that you can say that there was no opportunity that they could get in on here. And there's absolutely nothing they could do to help themselves going forward. I think it's too soon to say that. Um, so we'll see what happens. They still could do stuff within the parameters of what they're working with here. Uh, the deadline's going to tell us a lot about what they're looking at here. Um, yeah, Sherrod, what's your prediction if you had to make one for the deadline? For the deadline? I, I think there will be something minor. I think it'll it'll be just kind of just a luxury tax snippet here or there, just to give them another body to look at. Call it a day. A Corolla, so. huh? All right. Yep. <laughs> a, a used Corolla. A used yep. Corolla. Four wheels. No car note. Straight Practical, cash. Practical. Good on Straight gas. cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> That's Straight cash, homie. Um, I do want to before Take before it. we. Oh, sorry. Who do we lose? Uh, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Uh, before we take off, I did want to play one more clip. Um, like Jason Tatum. So obviously we're all talking about, I'll bring Bobby back in here. I think he's still here. Here he is. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, in the post game, I don't know if you were in on Jason Tatum, Bobby, but Tatum spoke a short while ago. And again, we talked about a, a bit here, two straight games, full roster, really for the first time in a long time, everybody healthy and obviously two massive monstrous wins. So Tatum is asked about uh, what it's like having the full roster back. Uh, listen to his answer here. Need it. Yeah, for sure. Especially when Rob playing. I love when Rob playing. <laughs> I, 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 obviously, if, you know, myself and JB um, out, you know, other guys got to step up, but um, I just love Morocco. What do you like? I mean, everything is good. When you, you drive in the traffic and you ain't got to kick out, you can just throw it to the sky and Rob will catch it. And, you know, you, you can just pressure the ball the a little bit more because you know, if you get deep, you know, he's back there to protect you. Um, and he's just a lot more vocal now than previous years. And he's just always active. I mean, he has 17 rebounds tonight. Yes. They still I just love play. Rob. I there love Rob. There he is. Jason Tatum talking about the most important Celtic, Marcus Smart. I just love no, no, it was Robert Williams. Talking about Robert Williams. <laughs> with, the, with the sincere smile, too. He's so happy. Damn. Damn. Immediately, though. What, hey, what was it like having the full unit? I love Rob. I love Rob. You know? <laughs> 
Bobby got mad at me. I said a bad me, thing about Smart. Jalen, Rob, <laughs> Al. Who else? No, is I, I just love. I love. Ah, <laughs> uh, that <laughs> that Neesmith Smith kid. Oh yeah, he's pretty good too. <laughs> It's because his buddy Jalen again, all right? They're buddies, so now, you know. No, but the Rob thing, I mean, one of the things I loved last game, we talked you know, about Jaylen very little, like Marcus was, was the the pick and rolls. Yeah, they're still mad at Marcus. They're still mad. Jalen was. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Tatum is now, too, though. Non-bike Tatum is just a happy dude, I think. Um, <laughs> dude, he, he was having so much fun on the bench. Maybe he's going to be like, you know what? It's so bad over here. It is so bad over here after all. Oh, my God, Rob. You're funny, you know? <laughs> Wait, is this what you guys wait? Is this what you guys do? You guys hang like this all the time. Did you get through what he just said? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is awesome. I love it here. I love uh, Rob. I love Rob. Isn't that great? He just kept saying it. I just, you know, it's good. Jalen's cool and all that, but I love Rob. You know, oh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good to see that dude happy, man. It is, right? It, re- it really is, man. It is really good. It's crazy because as as he's, I mean, you look at all the, the mile markers that he's crossed in such an early portion of his career, and yet you never see, he never seemed to be enjoying the moment, whether in the moment or afterwards. But now, I love Rob. Rob. Maybe that's the secret sauce to, to Tatum's happiness is, is Rob Williams. Because clearly... He then he needs Rob. to stick around. Then he needs to I stick around. I think that, and maybe, maybe that was part of you know low key, whatever you're thinking about doing, Brad. Just know this: I love Rob. I love Rob. That basically, just declared Rob is untradeable. Yeah, right. I was gonna say <laughs> Rob's good enough in his own right to stick around, but like if he if right. he was one of those like scrub players, he just needs to like befriend like Tatum and just make sure that he's make sure Tatum's got his back no matter what. But he doesn't yeah. need that. But dude, but we hey John and everybody, how many times have we said like, do these guys just not know that Rob's like a cheat code out there? And like I all know. you have to do is like <laughs> throw it up to him and he'll, yeah. that line, I think that line from Tatum where he said, I just throw it up to the sky. I just yeah. throw it up to the sky. Like, yeah, it, it is that easy, actually. It's like it's like having like a Tyreek Hill like receiver. Literally throw it as far as you can and he'll run under it. Like yeah. Rob, just throw it into the sky and then he goes and gets it. You know? All right. Yep. Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuel, those types. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Oh, my goodness gracious. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's good to see that. It's good to see camaraderie. It's good to see them, you know, kind of joking about stuff. And, again, like, they're not just – they've always had this belief in Rob. Like, we joke about, like, the the Matrix Neo. He's discovering he's the one stuff. Like, I, they know, like, they're like, if this guy just blank, oh, my God, you know, because they're around it, you know? And, and, you know, he's more engaged. He's more into it, like, you know, coming into his own. And that was, like, my big hope at the beginning of the year. It's still not all the way there. You know, there's still so many places he can still go. But, you know, I mean, he's going to finish this year, you know, in double-double territory with, you know, top two or three in the league in blocks. How much more – I. I think there's more there, but you got to be pretty satisfied with that. And just like the, we talk about, we joke about potential assists, but I mean, the potential blocks and the rim presence and the gravity that he has, that the effect he has on a game is, is, is really unreal when he's really locked in and engaged. It's unbelievable. And it's just, there's just more of it this year. He's engaged more and he's playing 30 plus minutes, a, you know, 30 minutes a game. So yeah, he's going to come yeah. 
settling into those minutes, which is something we were worried about a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were just wanting him to be healthy at first. Remember, you guys remember those days? Like, so it, it's it's amazing to see him. Well, not amazing, but it's great to see him perform at this high level and get those props and see Tatum cheesing out there. Just to, just but just the mention of his name and you know got him got him smiling. But no, it's good. It's good. Um, man, imagine what that price tag would have been if they didn't re-sign him during this past offseason. You know, no kidding. No kidding. All right, so we've we've gone on a bit. We lost Bobby. Uh, we're in. Uh, we're on the road Friday, Saturday. Joe Sway will be down there, heading down Atlanta, Ooh. New Orleans. He'll be covering the games for CLNS Media. Atlanta, um, yeah. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's gonna get that soul food. Okay. I'll try to skip, the, try to skip that snowstorm this weekend. Oh, that's good for you, Sherrod. Yeah. You going down too? Yeah, I'll be down. You gonna there. get on that Zion diet down there, Joe Sway? Ooh. <laughs> if I come back. If I come back a little chunky, you guys will know why. And gumbo. <laughs> I mean, with Zion, that's five pounds right there as soon as you walk into the same room with that dude. With Jambalaya. We'll see. My goodness. Dude, I didn't realize yeah. that Zion is just, like, he's like a method actor. I was watching the NBA TV, and all of a sudden he shows up in a commercial eating Doritos, drinking Mountain Dew, right? and video games. I was like, dude, this dude really took that role to heart, man. Like, you, you, don't, you don't need to go that hard for that commercial, dude. <laughs> He's next to Zach Levine. You look at Zach Levine. I mean, yeah, probably didn't just. I don't even. I don't even think Zach ate any. Yo, Zion, just because it's free doesn't mean you have to drink the whole case of Mountain Dew, bro. Is this part of the deal? Is this part of the deal? Yeah, like, like, yo, they sent me a lifetime supply, man. What you mean? Yes, dude. It's a thirty-second spot. He ended up using two years of his freaking career on it. It's killing him. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, thanks, thanks everyone for watching, uh, and we will see you guys again on Friday. Of course, right now it's on, and we know this. Anytime there could be a trade, um, and we will be on it. Obviously, you know, keep it here, CLNS Media. Uh, make sure you check out our website, subscribe to our YouTube channels. Yes, You'll be notified when we go live. Right. If something, God forbid, if Marcus Smart gets traded, um, oh we will come on and we will hold. First, like a 30-minute moment of silence, and then we'll do a show. Are we going to have enough that. people for the show? We might lose Bobby and Joe Sway right off the bat if that happens. Nah, I'll get my top five Marcus Mars moments ready, guys. We'll have to the tribute ready. Yeah. It's just going to be playing like Joe Sway's, and They're just going to be playing ballads in the background, you know, yeah. just sad, sad songs. Um, oh, watching uh, James Harden, you know, him take that charge over and over again. Yeah. That was uh, that. That moment was definitely top five. Oh, no, yeah. not yet. Not yet, guys. Hold on. Hold on. Let's wait. Till yeah, I'm, I'm tearing up. I'm tearing up here. All right. Uh, good night, everybody. And also, just anybody wondering, we're all friends here. We can, we can, we can, you know, but Bob, we didn't. Bobby's fine. You know? Oh, Bobby's fine.